to The Secret Truth. I'm George Butler, along with Charlotte Littlefield. Tonight, we want to welcome one of the finest guests that we, we've ever had, and his name is Alan White. Welcome to our program, Alan. It's a pleasure to be back on with you. Our ratings soar when you come on with us. <laughs> I never had time to put up on the web either, so uh, I hope they listen in. Okay, tell us your website and what, you, what all you have on there. It's cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And there's also a European one. It's Alan Watt Sentient, Sentinel.eu. And I have uh, uh, oh, hundreds of talks filling in the histories of the, the power elite, as we call them, uh, that have been running the world, basically, for an awful long time. And I, I give all the, the background to do with the foundations and how they funnel their money through the NGOs to bring in this new uh, utopia they claim they're going to bring in. And uh, so I, I try and fill a, uh, it in for the people who are just coming in or waking up to what's really happening. I try to give them the background, and they can go to that website and download as many of the shows as possible, and I give them shortcuts to understanding. Cuttingthroughthematrix.com is your website, right? Yeah. You know, Alan, I think the last time we had, or last time, uh, one of the memorable shows we've had with you was at the uh, Texas uh, Book Depositories, the library yes. where JFK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was that was very yeah, interesting. That was on the 25th of November 2007, I believe. Yeah. And uh, time flies, doesn't it? Yeah, we we we, uh, we played. We did some tricky recordings of a spoof on a, a JFK thing, and we had four full hours there. That that was quite something. Long day. Yeah, yeah, it was. No, it wasn't. With you on the air, it goes by very too quickly, Alan. <laughs> Alan, you're amazing. Uh, you know, I've noticed uh, what's happening out here in the Patriot Movement is changing. Uh, how is is the Patriot Movement changing, Alan? I, I think it, it's maybe changing on cue, to be honest with you, because um, I often go into the histories of how the world is planned generations are planned in advance in fact and those who are bringing on the moves that we're seeing today in the world uh, had this basically on the books many many years ago but they also looked at all segments of society including uh, the patriot movement and how they would react to the big changes and the totalitarian system which is frankly uh, out in the open and in our face now and uh, they, they prepared certain people's I think to to enter it, um, maybe across the pond, as they say. You know, and, Alan. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh, Alex uh, Jones uh, just had Michael Tessarian on his program. I believe it was about two or three weeks ago. Uh huh. I, I thought that was an interesting crossroads. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's um, there's a few of them who all know each other very well over and the other, as I say, across the pond. And um, I've had emails from them in the past, not very nice ones, when I, I said I wouldn't sort of go along with them. And uh, what they're doing is bringing in, basically, uh, the New Age movement into patriotism. And personally, this is my opinion, I can see how it will work, because we've already got the terms banded about now of conspiracy and conspiracy movements. 
and that was given by the elite for us to copy in fact and, and some people in the movement uh, were, were quite happy with that term conspiracy which sounds freakish to those who, have, who haven't really woken up or who, or who are just starting to wake up so now they're adding to it the new age too which makes it even more absurd you know um, you, you've got people who are reading tarot cards and, and bringing that into the patriot movement you've got people who claimed that they were the reincarnation of Jesus Christ um, uh, into the, the patriot movement and they've had big build-ups some of these people and you'll find too they all uh, knock Christianity more than any other religion and as I see if you're going to knock religion let's have equal opportunity knocking and that means that the, the new age is open for, for knocking as well I don't see why it's exempt from, from uh, uh, in fact most of the people who are in this, this uh, new age patriot movement um, their main enemy happens to be Christianity for some reason which is a, a historical reason in fact and they're doing a good job of it yeah. absolutely you know the tarot cards I've studied them um, extensively I tried divination one night I shut the lights out lit a candle and I, I tried to tell the future uh, but my crystal ball was broken and I realized yeah. that, and I realized that she um, broke her crystal ball. <laughs> <laughs> I realized that the uh, the tarot cards is actually potentially this is uh, where I come from. It is that it, it was a mechanism for thinking independently, for uh, thinking for yourself outside of the constraints of organized religion. That you know during the Middle Ages and in past history was you know you either you know went along or you were annihilated. And I think the, uh, the Gypsy, the Bohemian, um, the Bohemian Empire, you know, back from that age, that the tarot cards supposedly come, you know, predate that. Um, I don't know. I'm still, you know. Still it comes from, from southern Spain into, into, into France in the, yeah. the early Middle Ages. And you find it was a movement um, coupled with the Kabbalah. Uh, which is all through the New Age movement, uh, came in with talismans and fortune telling, and so on. Uh, but so I, my, Alan, my take on that was that these mechanisms were a antithesis, if you will, to um, to the constraints that were on the population, and that mm -hmm. was a mechanism for them to allow them to think for themselves, if you will. I don't think that anybody that has lived on this planet for any you know, time period, duration of time, thinks that they can actually foretell the future in cards or, you know, in a crystal ball or anything like that. And I, and I saw that as a sort of a fighting back thing. It looks like to me, though, sometimes, Charlotte and, and Alan, that these things are put forward like the, the, the latest, greatest uh, inside thing. You know what I mean? And, and they, 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 like a gnosis, like a real inside straight. You know, you're going to do this, and things are going to be happy. You know what I mean? They, 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 it's sort of more like a hustle that I see. Well, this is the key to it. It's that there's a hustle because it's been used before. And what, what you find is, is even kings, kings and, and queens often had their astrologers, for instance, and they had their tarot card readers and the crystal ball gazers. And these people held quite a lot of power at court over royalty and it wasn't long before organized groups could actually manipulate uh, governments uh, kings and queens and didn't Ronald Reagan's wife didn't she was she into some kind of astrology and stuff too I, I think she was uh, and she was into you, you find a lot of them are 
and um, even I think Mackenzie King, who was the Prime Minister of Canada, used to have mediums uh, in his home to help him guide uh, the country for the future. Uh, you'll find this is a fairly common thing with some of the high ones. Maybe they make the that table ones. move and float around too. Hey, we got to cut away. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Alan Watt. Yes, yeah, a pleasure to be here. Uh, what, what, uh, you know, the Patriot movement to me. Uh, here's the way I sort of see it laid out: is that that Ron Paul had something going, and he ignited, a, and you know, a lot of people. He motivated a lot of young people across the board, you know. And then the Patriot movement was already there before Ron Paul came along, you know. Yeah. I mean, it was it was lingering out there. I mean, we were part of that thing in the 90s and the 80s, right? And then all of a sudden, and you were there further back than that. And then all of a sudden, Ron Paul sort of galvanized and and sort of uh, you know brought things together on a concerted effort to elect someone, you know. Now, is that what uh, is there an operation out there where they're running the new age into the patriot to dilute it or to There's no it? doubt. Uh, Twenty odd years ago. Uh, some powers in Britain set up Zachariah Sitchin, who turned out about 12 or 13 books in a series, and it really caught the minds of young people. It caught them up so quickly. It was written almost like a science fiction uh, set of, of uh, volumes. But basically, he came up with his own theories and his own interpretation of the Sumerian tablets, and uh, according to him, were all made by the Anunnaki, you hear this all over the place, Anunnaki in the New Age. And the Anunnaki, of course, were supposedly the ancient gods of Sumer, but uh, Sitchin changed them into spacemen. We were created supposedly to be inferior types and uh, base slaves, so we can't fight them technically. We're too stupid and silly and small to fight them. So it was a psychological operation, because if you believe that you're created to be uh, an inferior type slave with a very small brain you couldn't ever beat your masters and this is rampant throughout the new age and a lot of guys were put out afterwards to build on Sitchin's theories and you'll find the present group who built on Sitchin's theories out there today in the patriot movement and mixing uh, fantasy with, with fact the facts about the, the NGOs. The you know, you make a good so point. You know, you know that zeitgeist and all yeah. that. What I see there is that that those young people, whoever put it together, I think it's Peter. What is his name? Peter Joseph. What they did. I went into that. Okay, and and he he talks about scarcity too much. So I went and looked at post scarcity, and what I found in post scarcity, it was all science fiction based. Yeah. See what I mean? Yes. Drawn into that that zeitgeist, and but there was no practicality there that I see of making a living and running a society. Not it's not fictitious the, and fantasy world. Yeah, what they always promise you, and they've done this for a long time, is always promise the followers a utopia. We've had this for a long time, the utopian idea. I begin to look at some key words that he was saying, but it was a very heavy collective uh, type of uh, uh, a viewpoint, a worldview. And it, and it and it had he was said scarcity must have said seven or eight times he said the word scarcity. Yes, because what they're bringing into it is sustainable development. You well, you know that came out of the Club of Rome way back. Yes, and this is, this is the mantra today with all the big uh, foundations: sustainable development, reduction of population. So smart, they have smart development too. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, you know about um, let's talk about those Georgia Guidestones a little bit, if you don't mind, gentlemen. 
Yeah. Um, I'm under the impression a, a person by the name of um, a Wilcox, David Wilcox, I believe was his name, um, that I, I, I heard him say, and, and I haven't seen and also a gentleman by the name of William Henry. Oh, gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, anyways, I thought I heard either in one of those presentations that the Georgia Guidestones were actually uh, encircled with Hollywood trees. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which, of course, you know, has pretty, you know, significant meaning as far as Hollywood, um, you know, deck the halls with boughs of holly. Yeah, magic blah, blah, blah. and stuff, isn't it? It's occultic, huh? Potentially. It's the um, grove. They used to use a holly, the evergreen, for it comes through the winter, has the red berries as well. And so, so they, they also use Hollywood for the staff as a magician. So, so they always have a staff of Hollywood, and they cast a spell by Hollywood. They, they alter your perceptions by illusion. That's why they call Hollywood the, the movie capital of the world. Well, they really alter our whole perception, don't they? Yes, they do. Well, <laughs> it's not fiction. In, in increments, in increments. It's not, you know, not one movie is uh, totally, but yeah, eventually. Yeah, but synergistically together with all of them. You know you know why, why I see, too, with the inventions that we've been able to replay all this stuff, you know, through tape recorders, VCRs, and then now it's uh, DVD players and all. We just can really, you know, continue to program ourselves at a higher level. Yes. And most programming comes through fiction, and it has to be very enticing fiction. And we've, we've been bombarded with sci-fi yeah, we have. for our whole you life know, long. Yeah. I, I started looking at this stuff in the uh, early, late 80s when I started getting online. You know, we had those, these, uh, before the uh, networks, well, actually Prodigy was one of the first. And I saw all of these different new age groups, and they weren't very prevalent. They have built into, they're institutionalizing all of that. Yes. It's essential because Gorbachev and, and many others have said that they're creating a new world religion, which is based on a form of, of earth or nature worship, for the masses, that is. Gaia, right. Gaia. Yeah. yeah, and I believe the heart chakra is categorized as green. <laughs> Well, green, green is also the sacred color of communism. Red is for revolution. Green is the sacred color of, of the Sovietized world system. And that's why you have the Green Party. And you'll find that many of the, the New Agers and the ones who are doing the Patriot Movement uh, are belonging to the, the Green Party, in fact. What, what about on television? They have this, this orange and this blue. Are those UN colors or what? Uh, orange stands for the House of Orange, okay. which is the, the, the royal um, seat in, in Holland. Uh, that's, uh, it's, almost, it's got basically... What, the, the bloodless revolution they came over in 1688 and took in? Yeah, yes, yes, the, the, the Hague and Orange. They brought all that money system to deal with them too, didn't they? Yes, and the World Court. Yeah. yeah. Then they had the, the uh, Bank of England established shortly thereafter. Yes. <laughs> It, it so happens. It's perfect timing, isn't it? It's always let's perfect talk, timing. Let's talk 9-11 when we come back, gentlemen, if you don't okay. mind. Okay, thank you, Alan. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Alan White. It's a pleasure. Uh, uh, 9-11. You know, um, uh, Alan, there's been a lot of concern uh, that we'll have another false flag attack. And, um, you know, the, I, the Illuminati apparently use uh, some sort of system and numerology, if you will, or perhaps astrology or something. Who knows what they're going off of. 
So what are your thoughts about the current developments with the election in the United States? If I'm not mistaken, you're still up in Canada? Yeah. What do you, how do you see their next move, if you will? Uh, I think if they don't have to come up with another big major crisis and the public just accept the way it's going, which is more and more totalitarianism and loss of freedoms um, happening all the time, uh, more surveillance on everyone, um, then they won't have to use something drastic. But I'm sure they've got plan A, B, and C, and D in the wings just in case uh, the, the, the public don't go along with it. But we do know they're, they're expecting riots for 30 years from the Department of the Defense, both, both in the U.S. and in Britain, came out with pretty well identical uh, forecasts for the next 30 years where they see rioting across the whole Western world and what they don't go into is, is really the, the causes, so much the causes of the rioting. Well, we know it's going to be food shortages and so on because this is the time for crisis creation. It's the time to bring in a new world order, as they keep telling us. And that also means a new economic order, but it also means they want to have their planned society uh, worldwide. And this is a form of family planning, only it's the global village family and they want to vastly reduce the population, and food will be used as a weapon. Food now is in the hands of five agri-food businesses internationally, and they now are restricting the world's food supplies with their GMO foods. GMO foods was touted, and it's a must-be, as you see in the high masons or masonry, it's a must-be scenario, because all the reports that have come in from GMO uh, food uh, and the crops so it actually produces up to 30% less um, produce uh, at harvest time than the old stuff did. So it's not going to be the world's savior. I think it's going to be part of our destruction. And food will be used as a weapon. I think that will be part of the riots. The economic system is to be totally altered till we come out of this uh, as world servants, to serve the world state. And that's been publicly said at the Royal Institute of International Affairs and the Council on Foreign Relations. So uh, we're looking at a whole new way of life where the individual's life is planned for them from birth to death. That literally is what they're talking about, this whole new world order system that they're bringing in right now. Do you have any uh, insights into this financial summit that, that's going to be held the 15th of this month? Yes, it's only like what it is. You have to go into the last uh, big summit they had in World War II at the Bretton Woods where they signed the agreement and they took everything off the gold standard. They put fractional reserve banking in where you could you'd loan out about nine times of that which you had in deposit. You could loan out fictional money. That was part one of Bretton Woods. The next part of Bretton Woods, which they're actually calling it part two, is to bring in a new economic order which is coupled with sustainable development and the whole world greening project in other words, population reduction, etc., etc., etc. That's all going to be tied into the new economic system, which they'll eventually phase in. Yeah, I think the uh, the November fifteenth meeting is going to be very telling. Yes, and uh, amazingly enough, I read an article the other night on the radio where I think six hundred non-governmental organisations had representatives uh, at these these particular world meetings with the big bankers and so on. Now, what we're, what we're seeing now is the real meaning of democracy. Democracy is not for the people, never was. Democracy is actually um, big power lobby groups 
funded by the foundations who are directing the course of the world and how we shall live, and, and etc. It's done by dictate, and uh, they're the ones who are now really leading the, the, the charge for democracy, which is just a code term for the Sovietization of the world. The Soviet system, Soviet means ruled by councils, and the, the Soviet system had lots of non-governmental organizations that pretended to speak on behalf of the people. In fact, their leaders were always chosen by the Politburo. Over in the Western countries, we have thousands of NGOs, all funded by the big foundations, and their leaders are also supplied by the foundations themselves. So it's the same system, and this is the blending of the Sovietized system with that of the West. Yeah, I picked up on that. You know, Alvin and, and Heidi Toffler that wrote those series of books? Yeah. Uh, you know, what, Future Shock and all that? They were really uh, quite, uh, uh, they were supportive of all the NGOs and all that. Oh, absolutely. And, and Alvin Toffler um, wrote another book called The Third Way. Yes. And it was the blending of communism and capitalism uh, together. And Newt Gingrich was his main spokesman for, for when they published the book. Newt was given out hundreds of those books away on the congressional steps to all the, the congressmen that were there. So, so they're all for this whole agenda of population reduction and the Sovietization of the world, run, of course, by the same elite that already run the Western world, but like a bureaucratic, a mass bureaucracy running all the people below them. Uh, right down to the, to the You know, this level. new summit, this financial summit, is, is uh, the G20 plus China. Now, yeah. what are they going to, are they going to reorder all the currencies? Or are they going to set and devalue the American dollar? Or, or are they going to have a, um, essentially a world currency uh, de facto, if you will? They'd love to bring in the single world currency. Uh, however, what they'll probably do is create Remember, there's to be three main trading blocks in the world when we're all under the United Nations, which will be the front government for the big boys. And Europe already has the euro, and they're going to bring out the Amero for America, and Canada, Mexico, and a few other countries in Latin America. And well, they'll bring one out for the Pacific Rim. But they'll all be on a par. I've no doubt they'll, they'll bring it out to be on a par with the euro. Yeah. Right. Well, I've potentially... There might be a de facto world currency, if you will, out of this November 15th summit, yeah. whether or not we actually transition to the American well, they or have not. To, the existing currencies have to be transitioned into something mm -hmm. uh, for some kind of agreement about exchanging into these other main currencies. Would you accept that, Anna? Uh, absolutely. They have to get some standardization process where the euros, for instance, will be this, the exact same worth as the Amero. Yeah, and, something. Yeah. They're going to, and then the dollar is going to be <laughs> devalued. It looks like. Yes, and, and gradually phased out. Whenever they bring in a new currency, they generally half the, the, the purchasing power of the of the new by when bringing the new one. It's worth half of the old one, basically. I'm getting rid of one. my script, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they've done this so many times, though, in the past in Europe that you can tell down through history when they do it. What, what is it about the Europeans? Do they? Uh, someone uh, just gave me some information that recently. This is their take on it in the Netherlands. They said it's getting very capitalistic over there now. What did they mean by that? Does that have any validity? Not really. It depends what they really mean by it. Uh, yeah. The, the, the money, see, everything, the whole world is run on this money. Sure, it's a money and, system, yeah. 
as one system, they've closed all the loopholes to stop you living independently outside the system. If you try to do that, you come along with tape measure, measure your plot of land in your shack and tax you for property. So you oh, they'll give your money. land to some commercial venture you know, like yeah. they did in Connecticut. <laughs> hey, well, we got to take a, a break here. Yeah. What's that? The world is a business, you say. It is. It's a big business, a big deal. Hey, we've got to cut away. We'll be right back. Thank you, Emma. Alan, welcome back. It's a pleasure. You know, I was wondering, um, I often wonder if Europe, you know, Italy, Spain, France, um, you know, United Kingdom, Britain, England, Ireland, Scotland, um, and all the other countries up north, do they, do they have a patriot movement like we do here in America? I mean, are there people that think like us over there? There are people who think the same way. They, they know what's happening. Um, the problem with Europe is so old and I've never really known the kind of freedom that they've had in the United States. They've never, ever had that, that kind. And in fact, they've had basically so many years of financial, uh, I call it depression, not recessions, that they're kind of beaten down. And they also have massive uh, governments, massive bureaucracies and departments and ministries of this and that and the other that you can't turn or do anything without permission. Uh, in other words, you, you feel... Um, Subjugated, and in fact they are, because most of them are monarchies, even though they call them democracies. They're, they're, they're still under kind of uh, the strange uh, monarchy-type democracy, where the, the queen or a king um, has to sign every law into being. Uh, the, the parliaments can't do it on their own. It all goes to, to the king or queen for approval. Uh, so where does democracy come in there? They've never had the voice. They've never even been taught about their rights and freedoms as they, they were in the U.S. when they used to teach them in the school and, and uh, they'd recite the Bill of Rights and so on. They never had any of that in Europe. So, you, so they're very despondent and, and depressed, basically, I think. But there are a lot of people who are up on what is happening in the world. They're, they're maybe even ahead of the U.S. on what's really happening. But as far as having any idea what to do about it, they don't have uh, the, the kind of uh, fortitude the U.S. has has created through having freedoms in the past. Right. Uh, I do have a question for you, Alan, um, pertaining to the word democracy itself. Yeah. I find it's, it's eerily uh, close to the word demo or de demon, uh, yeah. you know, D-E-M-O-N. And, um, and, of course, I think it comes from the Greek, the people or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. They, they had... Yeah, so, but, but demo, and like demonstration, demonstration, yeah, and then right. demon, like a demon from hell, if mm -hmm. you will. So what's your take on the word, the actual word democracy? Oh, it does have many occultic meanings, and you're on the right track with it. And uh, the big people, you see, the big people gave the public what they thought was democracy as a, a front to stop them from having revolutions every few years. And the idea being that you could always vote a new bunch in and get rid of the last corrupt bunch. That's how democracy really works. You don't really vote new people in. You're voting the present ones out. You're so sick of them. But it stops you from having revolutions. In reality, the whole of Europe has been run by basically monarchies and their secret societies for centuries. They never, they never ever intended to share power with the people. Never, ever. And if you read even Alexander Hamilton, uh, his writings on what he thought of democracy, uh, he spoke really 
and he, he was um, elitist along the same lines as Britain but he said, he says, what do, what do I think of the public? He says, I think the public, sir, is a beast. And, and that was always the, the European uh, aristoc uh, the aristocracy's uh, point of view. It hasn't changed. So it, it's, a, it's um, a front show. Politics is a front show. Well, there's a parallel government that really runs the whole system. Well, you know, this, this election now is a good example of what you just said. Mm-hmm. It's a put-up job to make people think they have a real voice in, in electing someone. Yes. You see, the, the elite studied the, the French Revolution very carefully, and, uh, and they got kind of scared, too, to see so many of their acquaintances and, and their cousins have their heads chopped off. And they vowed it would never happen to them. And so they set up this idea of democracy that would be phased in over a couple of hundred years. We don't realize that democracy has had many different meanings in Britain and the average person couldn't even vote in Britain unless you had property and a lot of property uh, uh, up until World War I and then they gave it to the ordinary people to get them to join the army because they were using so many young men up fighting their wars uh, they gave them the vote so we, we, we democracy is a faint as I say it's a front so they don't have revolutions every few years but we can see it now uh, after 9-11, when every country in Europe came out simultaneously with the same anti-terrorism bill, martial law scenario, that told you that all of these countries had a parallel government that was in concert working together long before 9-11 happened to have it all ready to go uh, so quickly. And they're all identical. So, so right now uh, they're getting they're getting closer to perfecting the plan. Uh, the the plan is that ha, have you heard that referred to as the plan? Yes, and we find even again Professor Carl Quigley, who was the historian for the Council on Foreign Relations in the American branch of the Royal Institute of International Affairs, and he said that in the 1960s he said this parallel government has run the US for the last 60 years and so it's still here today it is a parallel government Margaret Thatcher talks about it uh, that she belonged to it she said that openly on her uh, world tour and the, the, the title of her, her, her speech her talks was, was the new world order the coming new world order and I want... uh, mm -hmm. yeah. oh, I'm sorry I'm interrupt your thought um, I, I do have a question pertaining to uh, definitions of the Oxford English Dictionary. Yeah. A lot of times in the English-speaking world, we have like four or five, sometimes more than that, definitions for words that we commonly use. Yeah. Um, do they do they actually use our language against us? Uh, absolutely. And in fact, one of the greatest things that was done uh, right after 9/11 was the speech that said to the public. Uh, you're either uh, with us or you're with the terrorists. And that was a declaration of war on the public, basically. But it also, you see, when the U.S. was set up by Freemasons, and there's no doubt that it was Freemasons who set it up, that's public knowledge. And Franklin wrote about it, too, and he toasted George Washington as the first Grand Master of these United States. And that's in his own writings. Uh, so y you find that the password that they took from, from the French, uh, the Grand Lodge, the Grand Orient Lodge, was, was new, which means us, U.S., and of course, it go back into Greek, new meant us, spirit. U.S., yes, I yeah. see that. When I read, I see us instead of U.S. nowadays. That's right. 
And and, and you and of course U.S. as I say uh, means us basically in French uh, or or new N O U S. Uh, and that was the password that they were using in the, at the time of Washington uh, in the Masonic lodges. And going back into the Greek, ancient Greek civilization, N-O-U-S meant spirit, and that was used ah. in their old, old lodges as well. So this is an ongoing thing. So right in front of the public, as Albert Pike said, he said we can always speak freely in front of the public, and only we know what we're really saying. The public will hear and get another meaning from it and never catch on. There is a, a term in the American um, vernacular, if you will, it's called what's coming down the pike. Yeah. And um, right. I've, I've often associated that with, um, with you know, the establishment of the Bavarian Illuminati. Yes. Um, but most people that I bring this up with, they don't make that association. I've used it in military settings and yes. had it uh, reflect well on myself. I've seen it on blogs. Um, what about that term, coming down the pike? What is that? Well, well, coming down the pike is another meaning. A pike was also a, a lance, a spear, a long spear. And something coming down your spear means you, you literally speared your enemy. Uh, so there's another Correct. meaning to it. Albert Pike is a Masonic created name, a Masonically created name. Uh, Albert, if you put an H in front of it and drop it in the English language, because they often drop the H's, uh, and uh, Halbert is also an axe with a, a spearhead on top, and then oh, Pike is a second spear. It's, it's all weaponry, yeah. Alan, you're awesome. This has been a fabulous hour with you. It's been a pleasure, yeah. Yeah, I, I tell you, you just you just astound me every time that you're with us. You know that. So, so what's what's your what's your advice right now before we we got thirty forty seconds left? I, I think people have to again differentiate between fact and fiction and don't mix the two together. Yeah, get out of this fantasy world. Get back into reality, right? We have to. That's all we have. That's, that's what about really... the language? Can get back to the language, folks. <laughs> yep. Oh, English ain't hard, Charlotte. <laughs> well, 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 the French called them the Angles because they are Angles in masonry. And they're angles figuring on they're more Angles than you can can uh, compute. Hey, we got to go. Thank you very much. Bye now. Thanks, yeah. Alan. Good night. Bye -bye. Good night.